It's, it's in Songs of Solomon, and bear with me, you're like, well, where are you going with this book, Jamal? But uh, Song of Solomon, or Song of Songs in some translations, uh, chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. And so in this, in this scripture we have here where this lady's talking about a relationship, right? Where she's talking about them correcting these little things that can ruin their relationship because they can seem so small and can be overlooked, but in due time, the whole vineyard will be ruined if it's not addressed. If you don't address these little foxes that are just taking a bite here and there, they'll turn into something big. And when I think of foxes, I mean, I never had any vineyards uh, in my life. Uh, but what I think of when I think about the little things my parents always got on me about, because if I didn't do the little things, I got a lot of that belt. And so I always thought about that because the little things led to something big if I didn't address it. And so that's what we have these teens here. They're going to speak on things that seem to be small and can be overlooked at a lot of times, but in turn have a major impact on our spiritual walk. We're going to hear them talk about things like being half-hearted, talk about being lazy, um, being in our comfort zone, um, being arrogant, and then even depression. Things that can seem so small, but really have a huge impact on whether we stay faithful to God or not. And so these teens aren't professional speakers, but they got a lot on their hearts that, that they want to share. And I think we can all be impacted by what they share. And I know you're thinking like, oh, these are a bunch of children ministry. What are they going to share about cheating on some homework? Don't No, they have some things in their life too that can really impact everybody in here. And so without further ado, I want to allow the first speaker to come up here. Good morning, everybody. Can everyone hear me all right? Okay. Well, my name is Emily Ruter. I am a graduating senior in the Youth and Family Ministry. I am honored to have the opportunity to share a bit of my story with you and talk about a topic or a little fox that I've actually been thinking a lot about lately, and that is comfortability and being in our comfort zone. So I'm a huge fan of the to-do list. I love a good schedule, and nothing makes my heart happier than a solid step-by-step -step plan for my life divided into 15-minute increments. Now, I'm not great, probably not even good at following through, but my day is at least planned out. Uh, I'm a deep thinker, overanalyzer, and detail-oriented person, but I'm also always dreading the worst-case scenario. As a young girl, these disastrous outcomes were pretty insignificant, but as I've gotten older and reality has taken its swing at me, the consequences began to look quite a bit more severe. The words college, finances, friendships, and future began swirling around in my already spinning head. And my reaction was to shy away from opportunities, shield myself in friendships, and shrink away from my spiritual responsibilities. So today I'd like to briefly look at these reactions and how we can continue to fight the temptation to stick to what we're comfortable with. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. One of the ways I've been tempted to remain comfortable is in shying away from opportunities that I'm given and hesitating to use my abilities. God has given each of us various gifts, but all of equal value. 
Sure, some are more publicized than others, or maybe have more worldly value, but they all have the same capability and potential to impact others, if we use them wisely. In my own life, there are many times that I have held back in using my capabilities out of fear, and because I wish to remain comfortable in my current circumstances. But here's the thing. Most of us know instinctively when we need to do something. And I think most of us here would choose to obey. Honestly, I was feeling pretty good about my level of obedience until I read a scripture in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. It says, anyone who puts a hand to the plow but then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. This scripture actually reminds me of a situation three years ago when my mom put my sisters and I in speech and debate. To say I was unhappy about that decision was an understatement. But knowing that I really didn't have much choice in the matter, I eventually submitted. So I made the right decision. But as I smiled through the pain, I continued to complain about how much debate ruined my life, how much I missed the luxury of having free time, and how it made me miserable to have to speak publicly. <laughs> what I missed during my continuous complaining was the impact that I could have had on others around me. Sure, I did what I had to do, but I was looking back instead of forward. It actually took my mom continually pulling me aside, drawing me out, and helping me to capture my thoughts and renew my mind before I realized that my complaining wasn't a result of my loss of freedom, but rather a way to shield myself from the insecurities that, ha that I had about stepping outside of my comfort zone and putting myself in a position that risked my public image. Whether you've grown up in the church, recently become a disciple, oh, got dark in here. <laughs> <laughs> or have been in the church for decades, we are all faced daily with opportunities to do good, impact those around us, and make a positive difference in the world. But sometimes we choose to ignore those opportunities out of a fear of discomfort. Uh, how many people do we know that we should go up and talk to, but choose not to because we feel it would be awkward? How many times do we say no to a leadership role because we fear that kind of responsibility? Or how often do we give ourselves only half-heartedly to a task and continue to think of what could have been? So why is it so important that we step out of our comfort zone and give ourselves wholeheartedly to Jesus? It's not because it's some burden or annoying task that we must push ourselves to overcome, but rather because it's a beautiful opportunity. We should be so motivated by Christ's love for us that we're thrilled at the thought of getting an opportunity to participate in his work and bring about his fruit. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 8, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. When we're close to God and in tune with his love for us, we shed our fears cast off our anxiety and desire nothing but to put our earthly lives at risk to bring about spiritual fruit. In closing, as I get ready to leave for college, these scriptures inspire me to seize opportunities, dive deeper in my love for others, and prioritize my love for Jesus over my self-image or my comfort zone. I hope that it does the same for you, as I truly believe that genuine comfort and peace is found in God's presence alone. As C.S. Lewis once said, God can't give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. Thank you, and I hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day.
Hello. Okay. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Ryan Hooper, and uh, my parents are Nathan and Alicia Hooper. Uh, they're here in the audience, of course. And um, I was baptized March 24th, uh, 2019 of this year. And today I was asked to talk about my little fox of laziness. And uh, so about Tuesday this week, Tuesday this week, um, I got home from school and I opened up my binder to see what homework I had. And when I opened it up, I found 13 different packets with 40 to 100 questions per packet. And it was all due the next day. And it's not like they gave it to us uh, that Monday or the previous Friday. No, no, no. They gave it to me uh, two months ago. So this little fox of laziness kind of made me lazy, and it built up a lot of homework. Uh, I'll do within the next day. So uh, in Proverbs 10.4, it says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. So... Like my uh, first story, it said uh, I, I was lazy and didn't do my homework, so it did not end well that night with no sleep. <laughs> and it just brought just chaos in general at school because I was still rushing to do, finish it and, and other stuff. But uh, diligent hands bring wealth. If I would have actually done it correctly, it, like paced myself more, it would have not have turned out like that, and I would have slept that night, and it would have been better work than what I had done. Uh, it, it's just not at school that this would happen, though. Like, at home, chores around the house, even. My parents would ask me to do something in the morning, or I would know I needed to do something that day. So I would, uh, I would not do it, though. I'd be lazy and just decide to watch TV or play video games or get distracted some other way and just be too lazy to go do it. And it would become nighttime and parents would be like, Ryan, did you do this? Did you go do the laundry or dishes or whatever it was they asked me to do? And I'd be like, no, I didn't. And so they wouldn't be able to do their chores or uh, we it would just be very chaotic in the house after that point. It just leads to chaos in between the family. Uh, the prime example of all this is chickens. We have these chickens at our house. And, um, and it's my job to close up the coops because we let them, like, run around in the grass and stuff during the day. And at night they go into their chicken coops by themselves. And, and it's my job every night to close them. Well, some nights I'm just too tired and I go, you know what, I'm just going to go to sleep. I'm not going to close them. Or I'll just be like, I'm too lazy to walk the 20 yards it is to the chicken coops to close the doors. And, it, and I know you all are probably thinking right now, Ryan, this is all like the normal laziness stuff. Like, we've heard all this before. Well, well, don't worry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the real stuff here in a second, all right? <laughs> so, in Proverbs 19.15, it says, Lazy people sleep soundly, but idleness leaves them hungry. So, the, the two, to, two months leading up to that night where I didn't sleep, I slept perfectly fine. I wasn't worrying about doing homework because I thought, oh, I'll have tomorrow to do it. Or I can do it another time. But, but during the day when I was just being too lazy to go do chores or something, yes, I had stuff to do, but I would also be sitting there bored, just not knowing what to do. 
because so, uh, I didn't want to go do my homework or do chores. And so it would really hurt me. It would also hurt me in, like, the retrospect of God. Because instead of reading the Bible or even Sunday going to church, I would wake up sometimes on Sundays and, be, and think, you know what, I just don't feel like going. So I would pretend to be sick or have a really bad headache and just not go to church. And uh, that was, like, that started, like, six months before the team-led conference down in San Antonio. After that, everything changed, but... And it would start affecting my relationships during church, though, just not going to church in general. Because I would be really close to people here in church, and then when I come back, they would be like, I know you, but I haven't talked to you in a while, so I don't know exactly how you're doing, so I'm just going to say the hello, normal, usual stuff, and then go talk to other people. And so it just would affect my relationship with them and God, because I was also distancing myself from him and the church, all because I just was too lazy to get out of bed in the morning. Uh, now, I have some questions for y'all. Uh, it's, uh, uh, how has this small fo- fox affected all of you? You individually, each of you. Uh, what is it holding you back from? Is it getting up and going to church in the morning because you had a long night beforehand? Or is it just going out and door knocking or talking to some of your friends or even relatives who don't go to church about church? Or even talking to people you know about God. Just like, you know, I've been struggling in this area or um, something else like that. Uh, so in Luke 9.23, I'm going to close here with this. Um, it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Thank you. Have a wonderful Mother's Day. They made me uh, go after all the tall people. Cool. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> all right. Uh, hi, my name is Claire Rodriguez. Uh, my parents are Christy and Rodney Rodriguez. I've been a disciple for about a year now. And today I'm going to share uh, with you about the little fox of arrogance. Okay. So now I like to say this fox is especially small, right? It's going to get through the gates in your vineyard. And it's not easy to catch. But don't let its small stature fool you because this fox is especially dangerous. Okay. So I like to say that it's kind of like a gateway fox, and by that, <laughs> and by that I mean that it paves the way for bigger, more dangerous foxers to come into your vineyard and absolutely wreck the place. Okay. So how is, how is this, you ask? Like, it, it, arrogance, it's such a small fox. Like, what's it gonna, what's it gonna do? Eat some grapes? But... <laughs> so, so I'm gonna. So with this, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> I. <laughs> right. So how how is it that you, you ask that arrogance absolutely ruins your vineyard? Well, let me tell you, and let's look into my life. So I've always been a prideful person. Um, not not to be arrogant or anything, but I know a lot about arrogance. Uh, <laughs> So, so I'm used to, 
I don't know what it is, but I'm used to be t- being told that I'm so smart, I'm going to go places, my future's so bright, and that puffs someone's ego up. So I'm used to placing myself on this high little pedestal, I'm above everything, everything the light touches is my kingdom, the whole shebang. Uh, <laughs> so this got, this got better with my studies, uh, they kind of... They kind of forced me to, like, rely on God and get better with my own personal sin and all that. And <laughs> so, with my, so, so with my eventual baptism, I was able to sort, slightly overcome my prideful nature. Uh, and God helped me keep this little fox out of my vineyard. However, uh, things started to get easy. Uh, so what you need to know is that through all of my eighth grade year, I was persecuted mercilessly by my so-called friends for a really long time. Looking back on it, it was like, it was absolutely terrible, but uh, through, through what I was put through, I was, I was forced to rely on God. I had, I had next to no one in my life, so I was forced to rely on him and go through intensive reading of the, of the scripture and prayer just to keep myself going. Yeah, but then I got to high school. I found, I found a new crowd, and I cut those toxic people out of my life. I found people that I thought accepted me for who I was. It was great. Almost a little too great. Uh, so in that, I started to think that I had everything under control. I th- started to think that I was the reason for my successes and that I was doing just an amazing job. Uh, in this, I stopped relying on God because I had made myself my own God. So I stopped having my quiet times. I stopped having a serious prayer life. And because I'd started relying on myself, I couldn't keep the little fox of arrogance out. So the thing about arrogance, why it's such a sneaky little fox, is because it blinds you to your true nature. It's not as obvious as something like lying, or as soon as you spin the deceit, you know what you've done. With arrogance, those little thoughts crop up, and there's this veil that keeps you from realizing that you're in sin. And that's what had happened to me. So the fox uh, skipped right on into my vineyard, and it brought some of, my, some of its buddies. I started struggling with some really serious sin, and because of my arrogance, I refused to share it. Because even if I, I was fine, I promise, but even if I wasn't fine, there was no way that I was going to tell other people. So I, refu- I refused to share it. People would ask what was wrong. People would ask why I was starting to close up. I mean, I had made so much progress. I used to be a painful in- introvert, and then now I was starting to talk to people, but I started to close back up again. People would ask what was wrong. And I wouldn't give a serious answer. I would uh, do my finger guns. Uh, note, to the <laughs> note to the audience, if I am doing this, I need help, please. <laughs> so, so, there's one, so there's one scripture that I want to center this around, and that's in Isaiah 2.11. And in that, it says that the eyes of the arrogant will be humbled and human pride brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. So in context, this is talking about the day of the Lord. And yeah, this is talking about the day of the Lord, but it still applies. I had exalted myself, and boy, was I about to be humbled. <laughs> so it came off in a storm of rage and emotion and some really, really uncomfortable confession. Uh, at the team-led conference, a lot of stuff happens there, a lot of really good stuff. Uh, so a couple of the teens were, knew something was wrong. So I was pulled into a room, and I was forced to confess everything. <laughs> they wouldn't let me leave, uh, and it was it was a, it was really uncomfortable. I don't like to I don't like to talk about it, but it forced me out of my comfort zone and, and, it, and it humbled myself and put me back. It pushed me off of my pedestal. 
So in, the, so in the end, the Lord helped me overcome my sin. I'd also like to connect this back to, back to my mom because uh, she was nosy enough to get all up in my business and realize that something was wrong. Thanks, Mom. Love you. <laughs> so she, but she constantly fought for my salvation, and I was able to, and yeah. I'm still trying to combat, combat, to combat this fox, but the first step in combating something as serious as pride is to realize that it's a problem in your life. As I said, they sneak up on you, and you're blinded to the reality. Now, you've seen how, how awful pride can be, but there are two things that help me. The first one is going back to where I was and being constantly before God. I started having my, inten- my, intensive quiet, my intensive quiet times a day and going back to my rigorous prayer life, and just being before God and re- being reminded what he's done is one of the quickest ways I've found to humble yourself. Putting it all into perspective in the cross and the humiliation that Jesus suffered it's impossible to be prideful looking at, looking at that. The second one are those, are those relationships. Now, the reason that my arrogance was able to carry me so far off the rails and onto, and onto the wider path is because I was refusing to open up. But having those relationships and having those people that are willing to get a broom with you and, and beat the fox out of your vineyard <laughs> is, is, an, important, is an, an extremely important asset to have. So I have a couple questions for you. So the first one is, in what way is arrogance sneaking into your vineyard? Is it, is, it, uh, uh, is it preventing you from getting open about that sin that needs to be confessed? Is it, that, is it that obstacle of you forming deeper relationships because no one's really on your level? Is it, keep, is it keeping you from learning new things because you think that you know, know everything because you've been here for 25 years? Or, it, <laughs> sorry, I had to, but, or, <laughs> or, is it, or is it that you're a new and on-fire disciple and you haven't sunk into that comfortability yet? I mean, those old, those old fogies aren't out reaching out and door knocking, right? But, yeah, so I'm going to close, <laughs> so I'm going to close today with one challenge. And, and that is, if you, if you are struggling with pride, which I know that is absolutely no one here, if you're struggling with pride, I, I encourage you to find one person to get open with so that, they can, so that they can also pick up the broom and beat those foxes out. Thank you. Hi. Um, happy Mother's Day. Um, if your mom asks you uh, where you're going to take her out to eat, just remind her that there's food at the house. Um, <laughs> if you don't know me, my name is Autumn. I am the daughter of Mike and Amika Webster. Um, I'm a sophomore in high school, and I was baptized November 4th, 2016. Um, okay, today I'm going to share about the little fox of half-heartedness um, and how it can ruin our vineyards. Um, I express my half-heartedness um, a lot with my relationship with God and with my brothers and sisters in the church. Um, I, I too often don't recognize that having a relationship with anybody is two-way, and my part in the relationship uh, matters the most, really. Um, I want to share a scripture, Proverbs 6, 10 through 11. It says, a little step, a little slumber. What was that thing? Okay. Oh, 
slugger. How long will you lie there, you slugger, when you'll step up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Um, I like this scripture because it really reminds you that like a little sleep to you and um, what you think is not that big of a deal matters the most in the end. And um, for me, um, this this can be like a big um, fox in my life, um, especially like when I pray or read my Bible. Because I know sometimes when I pray, I'm doing it only because I know I have to, and I'm not putting any real meaning behind the words that I'm saying. When I read my Bible, it would be rushed, and I wasn't doing it to find out what God was trying to tell me. It would be just to check the having a quiet time off my to-do list. Um, and with the members of um, the church, my relationship with people was shallow because I was too lazy and half-hearted to put in the effort for a deep relationship that would benefit me. Um, as, okay, as a teen, um, I know that whenever we're lazy, we're replacing God with something that we feel is more important in our lives than God is, and we're giving that all of our attention. Um, in what ways have your laziness put yourself above God? And uh, for schoolwork, um, that's also a big way, way my half-heartedness can work in my relationship with God. Um, because we love, as teens, we love to complain how much work we have to do and how we have no time for, like, a quiet time or to go to an event. Um, but do we actually have that much work to do? Or are we just lazy beforehand? And we put off to the last minute, and now we all of a sudden don't have any time for God. Um, so what can we do to overcome this laziness? Well, my mom is a good example because she's very good at being diligent in her walk with God and is always looking for ways to build stronger relationships in the church. Um, she'll constantly remind me to check in with this person or that person and to follow up with people when... I really don't want to, and I think it's a much better idea to take my fifth nap for the day. <laughs> um, I really just feel like, oh wait, I already said that, okay. Her persistence in her relationship is what I really need to imitate in her humility um, with her relationship with God. Uh, Matthew 22, um, verse 37 through 38 says, Jesus, love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul. Oh wait, no, Jesus says, Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Uh, this scripture is very important because we can't follow this command if we are half-hearted with our relationship with God. And we're not really loving him with all of our strength and with all our mind. Um, if we're not putting our all into it. Um, yes, my mom does very well with this scripture too. She always puts her heart in everything that she does. Um, but Jesus is also a good example for this. Um, he was getting up early in the morning to have quiet times and talk with people. And when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying when he could have easily been napping with the rest of his disciples. Um, yeah, that's all I wanted to share. Thank you so much for letting me talk up here.
have to raise it up a little bit. Uh, okay, so hello church, I am Joshua Doak, as it says on screen, and I will be graduating, or I already have graduated, I'm going to San Antonio this year for college, so that'll be cool, and um, today I am going to talk about pretty serious thoughts of depression, and so before I share about this, um, I'll just share some backstory about why I chose this topic. So, so the beginning of this year, um, one of my closest friends committed suicide, and about a month and a half after, afterwards, his dad committed suicide. And this has by far been the hardest year for me spiritually and just, like, as a human being. <laughs> and um, so I thought, like, okay, I don't really like sharing about this with a whole lot of people, but I figured, you know what, it could probably impact somebody. So um, here's a scripture that I think, like, really helped me through this time. It's First uh, Peter 1, 6 through 9. It says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you, these trials will show you that your faith is genuine, and it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. So this scripture is really awesome because it really just goes through like the whole kind of grieving process and with all of this. And so I like how it starts out. There's wonderful joy ahead. And so oftentimes when I'm depressed and I can only think about the present, I can only think about how much it sucks right now. And, and so, so this scripture really helps. Like, like it gives you something to look forward to. And then right after that, <laughs> sorry. Okay, right after that, it says, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. And I really like how it says endure, because oftentimes, that's really what you're doing, is you're just holding on. And you're just like, you're like, man, I just got to stick with you, God. Like, it's going to get better. I did not think it'd be this hard. (laughs) Okay. It's like, you know, it's like one of those things, like, I would rather be a a struggling disciple and still a disciple than fall away and not, like, have this community to lean on. And so to kind of continue on, um, where it goes into it, it says your faith, this is talking about your faith, it says it's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. So, like, I, some of you probably know what purifying gold is, but basically what they have to do is melt it down, and then what happens when you, you have to melt the gold like all the way down to where it's like flowing like water, basically, and all the impurities will rise up. And so when your faith is being tested, it is going through this purification process, and it's being melted down, and it's being torn apart, and, and your character and your 
your sin and everything is rising to the top and it's getting sifted through. And, and so you have to be careful. It's like, say, okay, like, is your faith a part of the gold? And you have to make sure your faith isn't one of the impurities in, within your gold. And, and so as we continue on in here, um, in the middle of verse 7, uh, it says, when your faith remains strong, you bring honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world, right? And so just by staying faithful, like you're bringing honor to God through times like this, through holding on through depression and holding on through whatever, like, trials you're, you're being put through. And, and now, now, like, kind of to lighten it up a little bit, um, <laughs> um, here's a verse that kind of <clears throat> helped me work through this time. And, and one of the specific things I really had to focus on was being vulnerable because I tend to kind of be, be a little bit more reclusive when stuff like this happens. I don't like going to people and say, hey, like, I need to talk. And so in Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13, it says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. And so, right, we have to warn each other daily. And so you can't be in this walk with God. You can't be in it without having a wingman and without being somebody else's wingman, right? You cannot do this alone. And so one of the biggest people that, like, really helped me through this time was my mom. And, and she really, like, says the example for me, um, just being vulnerable and, like, we'll have, like, lunch together pretty regularly. And she'll just be like, hey, like, I need to tell you some stuff. Like, I have some stuff on my mind, and I need to help work through some stuff, and I just need to rant. And she's really been great at leading by example, and it has really helped me to, like, want to open up to other people and open up to, like, trusted people. And, oh, she's, she's so awesome. But <laughs> but kind of in closing, I want to end with a challenge. Um, so uh, find someone you trust and, like, really, like, get time with them and just be open about, like, like whatever, you know. Like, because we're not going to be able to get through this. Like, if, it's, if you keep it inside, which I have done that before, and it sucks, and it's really just, it's, it's not the move. And so you got you to gotta tell people. And if you can't think of somebody you trust, then... Get to know someone. Say, like, man, you're pretty cool. Like, I want to get to know you. And, and then, you know, like, and make sure you start a relationship like that. And so, like, and if you happen to be a person that someone picks and, and they go up to you, they say, look, I need to get to open with you about some things. I need to talk to you about something on my heart. Don't let them do all the talking. You have to, like, what helped me the most with my mom was that it wasn't just me talking to her. It was her talking to me. It was two ways. And so you have to, like, I mean, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Like, you could say, like, man, like, I feel that. Like, I've been struggling with this, too. And so, so like, finally, t- to close it up, I, I said that already. But, um, to like, so if you are feeling depressed or, like, if you have depression, like, get some help. Like, I know it's, it's a lot harder than, than how I made it sound because it's not something you want to tell people. And... It's not something you want to tell people, like, I feel sad all the time, and nothing can make me happy, because I've been there. 
and I know what it's like. And so make sure you get some help and don't isolate yourself. And that's all I got.